Welcome to this Pure Voice activity on relapsed refractory multiple myeloma. This activity comprises two presentations featuring Drs. Richard LeBlanc and Guido Lankman. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Currently, we have three therapeutic pillars in myeloma used in the different combination and for different lines of treatment. They include proteasome inhibitors, imids, and monoclonal antibodies, mostly anti-CD38 monoclonal antibodies. Because of the nature of the disease, patients with multiple myeloma will relapse and they will eventually become triple class refractory with a dismal prognosis with usually an overall survival at that point of only around a year. So novel therapies, including immunotherapies, are really welcomed in the myeloma treatment field in terms of immunotherapies. We have alternatives such as CAR T-cell therapies, but have limitation regarding patient eligibility, safety, and mostly access to treatment. Beside that, we also have antibody drug conjugated, such as bilantamab nafodotin, which is associated with some eye toxicity. And among immunotherapies, Beyond these agents, a new class of treatment emerged recently called bispecific antibodies. So now let's focus on bispecific antibodies and how they work for the treatment of multiple myeloma. Normal antibodies are made of two identical heavy chains and two identical light chains to produce a protein for which two FAB arms are identical with the same affinity for its target. For bispecific antibodies, they have been modified to have affinity for two different targets. In multiple myeloma, one arm of the antibody targets directly myeloma cells, and the other arm targets an immune system cells, with the goal to bring in proximity myeloma cells to the immune system. In fact, most bispecific antibodies in myeloma target BCMA and CD3, BCMA is a transmembrane glycoprotein that plays an important role in B-cell differentiation and plasma cell survival. Importantly, myeloma cells usually express BCMA at a higher density than normal plasma cells. So because of its important physiologic role in plasma cell survival and its relatively specific expression on myeloma cells, BCMA is one of the most important targets for myeloma immunotherapy. Now, let's take a look on the clinical data concerning efficacy and adverse event. We have many bispecific antibodies in development now in the field of multiple myeloma. The two most major ones with completed phase two trials are teclistamab and elranatamab, two bispecific antibodies targeting both BCMA and CD3. Teclistamab is the first approved bispecific antibody for relapse or refractory multiple myeloma patients with at least three prior lines of therapy being exposed to a proteasome inhibitor, an imid, and an anti-CD38 monoclonal antibody. Majestec 1 is a phase 1 and 2 clinical trial using teclistamab in monotherapy, including 165 relapse and refractory myeloma patients who received at least three prior lines of therapy with a median of five prior lines, and 78% of patients were triple-class refractory. 
With a median follow-up of 14 months, the overall response rate was 63. And importantly, the very good partial response rate or better was 59%, and the complete response rate or better was 39%. In addition, the minimal residual disease, MRD, negativity rate, among patients with complete response or better was 46%. Among responders, the median duration of response was 18.4 months, and the median progression-free survival was 11.3 months, so significantly better than what would be expected in heavily pretreated population. In terms of toxicity and adverse events, during the study, five deaths were considered related to teclistanab, one from progressive multifocal leukoencephalopathy, two from COVID-19, one from a hepatic failure, and one from a streptococcal pneumonia. Most patients developed cytopenia, mostly neutropenia, which were of grade three or four in 64% of patients. Cytokine release syndrome was observed in 72% of patients, but only 0.6% of grade 3 or 4, and neurotoxic events, including ICANs, were reported in 14.5% of patients with only 0.6% grade 3 or 4. Infections were reported in 76.4% of patients with 44.8% grade 3 and 4 infections. An update of Majestic 1 was presented at last ASCO meeting in June with a longer follow-up. The median progression-free survival is 11 months, remaining the same as before, but the median overall survival is now reached at 22 months. Interestingly, in this update, the risk of infection over time seems to decrease. So now let's talk about another promising bispecific antibodies called elranatamab. The phase two magnetism three trial included patients naive to anti-BCMA therapy, refractory to at least one proteasome inhibitor, one imid, and one anti-CD38 monoclonal antibody. The median prior lines of treatment for the 123 participating patients was five, and 97% of patients were triple class refractory. After a median follow-up of almost 15 months, the overall response rate was 61%, with 56% very good partial response rate or better, and 35% complete response rate or better. In addition, the minimal residual disease, MRD, negativity rate among patients achieving a complete response or better was 90%. The median duration of response, the median progression-free survival, and the median overall survival are not yet reached. In terms of toxicity and adverse events, during the study, four deaths were considered related to elranatamab, two from adenovirus infection, one from a pneumonia, and one from a failure to try. Most patients developed cytopenia with neutropenia, which were of grade three or four in 49% of patients. Cytokine release syndrome was observed in 58% of patients with no grade 3 or 4. In terms of neurotoxicity, peripheral neuropathy was reported in 20% of patients with only 1.6 grade 3 or 4. Infections were reported in 70% of patients with 40% grade 3 or 4 infection and 6.5 grade 5. Bispecific monoclonal antibodies are very effective. 
overall, we are concerned about some side effects such as infections that can arrive late, even if we have some data showing that over time, infection rate could decrease. But as myeloma is a dangerous disease with no curative treatment, certainly I would use these specific antibodies as soon as I will have access to them. Right now, we have access to them beyond three prior lines of therapy. So I use them at that time. But if I have access earlier, I might use them earlier. It is clear that BCMA-CD3 B-specific monoclonal antibodies are active against multiple myeloma, even in heavily pretreated patients. To improve efficacy, there is a rational to combine these agents with anti-CD38 monoclonal antibodies or imids or other drugs. There are ongoing phase three trials with these two agents, such as Majestec 7, comparing ticlistamab, daratumumab, and lenalidomide to standard DRD with daratumumab, lenalidomide, and dexamethasone in first-line treatment for non-transplant eligible patients. Magnetism 6, comparing elranatamab, daratumumab, and lenalidomide to standard daratumumab, lenalidomide, and dexamethasone in first-line treatment for non-transplant eligible patients. We have also Majestec 4 comparing ticlistamab and lenalidomide versus ticlistamab alone or lenalidomide alone in maintenance therapy following autologous stem cell transplant. And Magnetism 7 comparing elranatamab versus standard lenalidomide in maintenance therapy following autologous stem cell transplant. And many other exciting trials coming. So in conclusion, these specific antibodies represent a new class of treatment for myeloma with an obvious efficacy in heavily pretreated myeloma patients. For the most mature ones targeting BCMA and CD3, such as teclistamab and elranatamab, they are very promising but warrant specific attention to cytokine release syndrome, neurotoxicity such as ICANs, and infections to be given safely. Thank you. Hello, my name is Dr. Guido Lankman from Princess Margaret Cancer Center in Toronto, Ontario. Welcome to this activity on considerations of the use of BCMA by specifics and adverse event management. This is a very relevant topic as these drugs become widely available. They have some pretty unique management considerations to account for. We have one product, teclistamab, that was just recently approved after three prior lines of therapy, including a proteasome inhibitor immunomodulatory drug and anti-CD38 monoclonal antibody. And there are several others that are currently in development. There are several considerations in the use of bispecifics that are a bit unique to this therapy. First thing to consider is safety. As a monotherapy, we have to look a little bit in more detail at cytokine release syndrome. ICANs, as well as some potentially off-tumor effects, including infectious complications, especially COVID, other serious infections, as well as some other unique side effects like neuropathy. 
Currently, bispecifics are being trialed in monotherapies, but their safety in combination with new drugs remains an open question. Those are still in active clinical trials. And there's always the administration considerations. Obviously, subcutaneous is a little bit more convenient for patients and decreases infusion chair time and costs associated with that. Frequency of administration is still an open question. Most of the trials are using every week or every two-week dosing, but there's a question of whether that can be spaced out even further. And currently, all the BCMA bispecifics are treatment to progression, so continuous treatment, whereas some other bispecifics, not BCMA, are being trialed as fixed duration and showing impressive results, and that may be relevant for side effects as well. And then there's always the question of optimal sequencing, especially relative to other targets that are being developed for bispecifics, as well as other modalities such as CAR-T that are also targeting BCMA. We'll focus on two bispecifics that are furthest along development. Across both studies, cytopenias were pretty common, although these are usually more temporary. Infection rates are quite high, especially grade three or higher infections, which are the serious infections. CRS and ICANs are also common, and we need to learn how to manage these. And you can see just briefly responses are pretty excellent in this patient population. So the focus here is really going to be on how to manage some of these significant adverse events. The first one we'll focus on is infections. So this is a retrospective study from 37 patients who got treated with BCMA by specifics. And some of the key points are there are 118 infections and almost all of them occurred at times when patients were in remission. So most likely this was an effect from the drug itself and not from myeloma being active. The infections were somewhat split among bacterial and viral with just a few fungal. And CMV reactivation was actually quite common at 22%. And the cumulative risk of grade three or higher infection over time continues to increase as time goes on, even after over a year of follow-up. For all grade three or higher infections, there's about 80% reduction when patients are getting IVIG. And focusing on bacterial, which is what IVIG mostly treats, is at about a 90% reduction in grade three or higher infections. As you can see on this slide with teclistumab, as the median follow-up increases, the number of infections and grade three infections and number of COVID deaths also continues to increase over time showing that even though patients may be in remission for a while, this infection risk still persists. And there are some considerations for optimizing the dosing schedule that are being evaluated, which is perhaps doing a fixed duration of treatment and then retreating at relapse, or perhaps having a more spaced out maintenance dose and schedule. Some of the key points to keep in mind for infections are that serious infections are very common including opportunistic infections like CMV and PCP. Surprisingly, neutropenia is actually not commonly seen in these severe infections. One of the main risk factors for infections is profound hypogammaglobulinemia or even agammaglobulinemia, which is pretty much universal in patients responding to therapy. So some of the practical measures to take when administering these bispecifics is to screen for viral infections at baseline, including CMV, all the hepatitis viruses, HIV, and COVID-19. And patients should be on prophylaxis for varicella, zoster, as well as PCP. And they should be receiving 
either intravenous or subcutaneous immunoglobulin replacement for the duration that they're on therapy and potentially for longer after that. Patients should be vaccinated as appropriate based on age, as well as receiving COVID vaccines prior to starting treatment. And one of the key components to education of both patients, caregivers, and the treating physicians is that COVID really needs to be promptly recognized and diagnosed and treated in order to prevent some of the more serious outcomes. Next, we'll talk about cytokine release syndrome, which is very common with these drugs. As you can see in Majestic 1, CRS was present in 72% of patients. However, it was grade 1 or 2 for almost all patients. Only one patient had grade 3. And you can see the supportive measures usually include tocilizumab, supportive care with oxygen, occasionally corticosteroids, which is more for ICANs. And it's important to note the timing as well. With the subcutaneous dosing, the median time to onset is about two days in the first dose, and the median duration is also about two days and quite short. There are some strategies to try to mitigate the risk and severity of CRS, which includes step-up dosing, and a couple of studies are now using prophylactic tocilizumab prior to bispecific, which is not common practice yet, but it may prove to be effective. Neurotoxicity is a little bit less well-described with the bispecifics compared to CAR-T. All ICANS cases were low-grade and resolved in Majestic 1, and no patients discontinued teclizumab due to neurotoxicity. And it was mostly supportive care that was used, including TOSI, glucocorticoids, anti-seizure medications, and medications for neuropathy. And really the main cornerstone of ICANS management is glucocorticoids. And there are well-established grading criteria as well as management algorithms for both CRS and ICANS. Moving on to some practical considerations for the administration of these bispecifics. First, there needs to be good education of the frontline providers in order to provide prompt recognition and management of any CRS or ICANS. That includes prompt recognition of abnormal vital signs, monitoring of labs, including inflammatory markers and cytokines, as well as access to therapeutics, including tocilizumab, glucocorticoids, anakinra, and sultuximab. There needs to be timely administration and mixing of drugs from pharmacy and coordination with the treating oncologists, as well as availability of key supportive medications like tocilizumab. And lastly, there needs to be somewhat more widespread education and training of consultants involved in the care, not just the treating physician, but also ICU teams, infectious disease teams, and especially emergency rooms as these drugs get moved to outpatient administration, even from the beginning. In summary, BCMA-targeted bispecific antibodies have shown very impressive overall response rates and progression-free survival in very heavily pretreated patients with myeloma. But there are still some factors to consider when choosing to use these therapies, and they can include patient-related clinical factors, access to therapies, as well as patient preference. And there needs to be widespread education and monitoring about potential adverse events, including cytokine release syndrome, neurotoxicity, and importantly, over the long-term, infection mitigation and identification strategies to reduce the overall risk of serious infections.
This has been an activity published by Pure Voice.